Happy New Year to you all. I know it's, it's, it's already been seven days. The last time we met, though, it was still last year. So this is the first time we've come together in the new year. So Happy New Year. Uh, as Scott mentioned, um, this is sometimes a, a time that we consider making changes in our life. Uh, maybe having the holidays kind of provided a break in your routine. Sometimes you need a, a chance to kind of put everything on pause so you can get started again in a different direction. Um, maybe you're considering what things in your routine from last year need a little tweaking. Or maybe you need a major overhaul in, in your routine. Well, if you're having any of those types of thoughts, tr- uh, Romans chapter 12 came along just in time because Paul is going to be talking to us about the will of God. The will of God. So what, what is it that God wants our life to look like and be shaped like? And, uh, and so we're going to be digging into this. It, uh, before I get into it, though, I, I was thinking this last week about how what, oftentimes when we talk about the letters in the Bible, whether it's by Paul or Peter or whoever, you know, we say things like Paul said or Peter wrote. And um, I just want to remind you that as I continue to use those types of phrases to remember that uh, it's not Paul's words, that this is God speaking through Paul to us, that the, the words came by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is kind of like a radio. The radio is not the source of what's coming out of the speakers. It's coming back from the broadcast studio. Okay, so Paul is broadcasting to the church what God's message is for us, what God's will is for our lives. All right, so we're going to hear God's will, and some people will hear it, and they will let it transform them. That's what we've been talking about this last week, is letting God transform us. So we can hear it and let it transform us. Other people reject it. But for us who have put our faith in Christ and have surrendered our lives to Jesus as Lord, we choose to receive it. When we keep God's mercies, uh, all that we've received from him on the forefront of our minds, we allow these words to penetrate our lives and to affect every part of our daily routine. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change every part of your daily routine. You still will go to work, you'll still do your household chores, you'll still pay your bills, but when you do everything is unto the Lord, it changes how we do what we do. It may also add to your routine, and there may be things that you, that you do that you are going to stop doing or things that you don't do that you're going to start doing, but, but there's a lot of things that, you know, really probably the bulk of your day, you know, you're going you're gonna to keep doing a lot of those things, but you're going to maybe do it with a different attitude. You're going to do it differently. So if you're examining your life and trying to figure out uh, what these things are that you might want to tweak, these next couple chapters will likely give you some direction because Paul's going to lead us on a little self-evaluation. But no matter what it is that you hope to do or change, uh, your main, the main chance that you're actually going to be successful in making these changes is if you can hang on to your motivation for doing them. People... <laughs> People start off the new year with these new resolutions, but somewhere along the line, whatever was motivating them either wasn't strong enough to keep them going or they just forgot to to think about it. (laughs) They forgot to remind themselves why it is that they were doing what they were doing. So um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 that we covered last week points to that motivation. It's said in the first part of uh, 
verse one, it said, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, because of all he's done for you. Why do we desire to give our all to God? Because of all of his mercy, because of his grace, because of his love, because of all the stuff that we've studied as we went through Romans chapter one through 11 and we saw all that God had just done for us, that's why we do it. That's, that's our motivation because God has done so much for us, we respond in giving our all back to him. And this mercy and this grace is something that we didn't deserve. We didn't earn it. We had no way of earning it. Not deserving something maybe seems a little bit of a difficult thing to grasp nowadays. Uh, we've been bombarded in a culture that teaches us that we all deserve every little thing that our heart desires. We all deserve everything, right? Isn't that what the world tells us? Uh, we've been, uh, we, we, you can watch people protest uh, saying that uh, healthcare is a basic human right, which sounds very nice, but the truth is, is it's, it's a luxury given to those who live in the wealthiest of countries. You know, healthcare isn't given to everybody, um, and, and nobody could have really done anything to deserve it. It's, it's not a, a basic human right. It's something that we desire to, to offer. You want to help people, um, but it's not a, it's not a right. It's not, it's not deserved in any way. Um, we have ads out there. You watch commercials, and there's ads for uh, jewelry, cars, and candy bars telling you that, that you deserve a treat. You deserve it. Now, they don't know you. They, don't, they, they have no idea what you deserve. And what, what kind of basis are they you know, basing this on? What do, what do you do to deserve a candy bar or, or something? I don't know, but they, they want to sell their products, so you deserve it. You, you deserve to treat yourself. Um, it's it's kind of like everybody getting a, per, a participation trophy. Everyone just deserves. This is a world philosophy. This is something that we see out in the world, and it's evil. You know, in some ways, you might, it maybe doesn't seem evil on the surface, but it's really evil. Um, if you have this entitled sort of philosophy and how you approach life, it promotes greed. It promotes discontentment. It promotes anger. It promotes ungratefulness. So if we are not actively giving God the freedom to shape our minds, to shape our thinking, we are going to be affected. We're going to be conformed to the patterns of this world. We're going to be, we're going to be shaped by the world. So we have to actively let our minds be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Word of God tells us the blunt truth about what we deserve. What do we deserve? That in our sin... We deserve death and we deserve the wrath of God. But by God's grace, we are given eternal life and adoption to be God's children. I mean, it, it's amazing to, to, give that, to get that second part. But if you feel somehow entitled or deserving to it, it takes away from it. When you recognize that the exact opposite is true, oh my goodness, <laughs> that we could be called children of God when we deserved wrath is incredible. That is, uh, that is a motivating factor. That, that, that stirs our hearts to respond with, with something, with some sort of demonstration of gratitude. I know I've said this. This has been repeated a lot through our study in the book of Romans. Uh, maybe even every week I've talked about this type of motivation re re reminding us of the grace that we've received. Um, 
But, but like I said, this is why we take the rest of the text to heart. That's why we're, we want to hear what God's will is. That's, we, don't, we wouldn't care what God's will is if we didn't have a motivation to respond to, to, to following it. And so um, that's our motivation, and we're going to be getting in over the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about different aspects of God's will. Because of all that God has done for you, um, is what we read, it continues verse 1, the second part of verse 1, and going into verse 2 says, let there be a, let them, that's our bodies, let our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans 12 aims to lay out what it looks like when someone motivated by God's great love offers their life in worship, allowing him to teach them what his will is, what is good and pleasing and perfect in the eyes of our Lord and Savior. Verses 1 and 2, Paul laid out the motivation and the general direction not to copy the world and to let God transform us. But before we get into the specifics, he has kind of one more blanket thing that we need to add to our, our lives um, so, that, so that we don't get prideful as we, as we look at some of the gifts and things that he's going to give us. And that thing is, is humility. Paul presents it like this in verse 3. He says, For I say to you, or for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Paul's giving instruction, but he's also leading by example. He was not proud, and, and he may have had reason to be proud when you think about the fact that Jesus himself, you know, chose him, appeared to him, called him to be an apostle. He was used uh, in, in healing people and seeing people delivered. He saw multitudes of people uh, come to saving faith through his ministry. He could have written this puffed up about what, what God has done in him, saying you should be, you know, like me, you know, but he instead he says it's by God's grace. It's by the grace given to him. Paul remembered that it is only by God's grace that God chose to save him and to use him in these powerful ways that he had not earned this privilege. He, he knew what he actually earned. He knew what he deserved. And then he encourages us to have that same mindset. So he sets the example and he says, follow me as I, as I recognize that all that I have is from God. All that I have is by his grace. We need to keep our pride in check and not think too highly of ourselves. Paul is preparing us, like I said, for the next thing he's going to talk about. He's going to be writing about how we're all part of one body, that in Christ we are joined together and we all have different functions. And he's going to go in to the different gifts that he's given us. And if we don't have humility in place, then instead of celebrating the diversity of gifts given to the body, we may begin to think of ourselves more highly based off of what gifts we have received. Um, and when you, when you start to think of yourself more highly, what does that do? 
it means that you're you're thinking of somebody else is more lowly. I don't know if that'd be the opposite word, but I mean, you can't really elevate yourself without pushing somebody else down. And so in the body, we're not, you know, we're all in a, on an even playing field, you know, whether, uh, whether you are, are, are a, a leader in the, the church or whether you are a server in the church uh, in, a, in a different capacity with your hospitality, we're all at the same level. Like in, in the world, when you see somebody who's a, a leader or a head or something, they are somehow more important. But in the church, we all have different aspects, but they're all serving. They're all serving. It's all given to God. And so in the body of Christ, nobody is more highly favored than somebody else. We, none of us deserve the gifts that we have. We didn't, and we're going to get more into that later. So I better stop before I step on the toes of the rest of the message. Um, Proverbs 13 says, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, there is pride. Strife or disharmony is a byproduct of pride and humility is the cure and humility uh, is found in having our minds transformed by the spirit to see ourselves and to see others the same way that God sees us that we are simply vessels of his Holy Spirit vessels of his giftings and image bearers of God we're not bearing something of ourselves anything good that we're displaying is a reflection of what God who God is and what he's done in us. So it's, it's all glory to God. The giftings and abilities that we received, we received from him. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever uh, had like a, a toddler or two, three-year-old, four-year-old, whatever age, but a small child who has no money but wants to buy a gift for Christmas. And you end up giving them money to buy you a gift for Christmas because they want to buy you something for Christmas. Uh, the child can't really brag to others about what he was able to get you because it was, it was by your resources that he got it for you. But they gave you all that they had and they did it out of love. Uh, it, was, it was their way of showing appreciation for you. They wanted to give you something. That's what we're like to God. God has given us something so that we can give it back to him, so that we can show him gratitude. Without his gifts, we couldn't show him the gratitude he deserves. Paul said we had been given gifts. Specifically, he's going to mention the gift of prophecy and serving uh, and teaching, exhorting, leading, and mercy. And all of them have been given to different degrees based on the, the measure of faith. He's given, he's given us all these different gifts to different degrees. And God's will, um, God's will is that we would use them to please him. But the main thing is that we would use them. Like, I mean, we would use them to please them, not just, but we can have gifts and not use them. And that's of no benefit of all. Um, this isn't an exhaustive list of, of gifts uh, but it, he wants us to, to consider what gifts we've given and use them. Offer them back to him as a sacrifice of worship. We can't boast about the offering because they came from him in the first place, but we can celebrate that by his grace we have something worthy to offer. I like to, uh, I like to watch football. It's kind of the, the time of year um, for football analogies. So here we go. Uh, sometimes when I watch football, 
and you see these kind of overdone celebrations after somebody catches a ball or something, it, it just seems kind of weird to me because when you think about it, this guy has devoted his life to running and catching, right? And then he goes out there and what does he do? He runs and he catches. Like that's, that's kind of what you'd expect, right? From somebody who's devoted his life to them, that he would, he would then go and run and catch and he starts dancing around and stuff. And it just seems uh, strange to me because um, that's what he's devoted his life to. That he gets paid big, big bucks to go and do that. Um, in those moments, that guy who's dancing around is, he's drawing all the attention to himself. He's not thinking about the quarterback who threw the ball He's not thinking about the offensive line that gave the quarterback time to throw the ball. He's not thinking about the coaches and the staff that came up with the play that taught him what to do to give him the skills so that he could go and run and catch. He's just thinking about himself. Now, on the flip side, when there is a big like game-changing play, like it's the it's it's the game it's the play that seals the game for the other team and and the the catch is made the touchdowns made and the whole team like runs together and they're jumping together and they're celebrating together like that I can get behind that is cool because because they're all appreciating each other they're celebrating together that as a team they just accomplished a feat um granted they were paid a lot of money to go accomplish a feat but it's still exciting <laughs> I think that's how God wants the church to look, uh, to look like a team who's interested in the whole instead of the individual. Uh, we are told in this, these verses that we are to think soberly in regards to ourselves rather than, you know, if I ever start doing a dance because I thought my sermon was really good at the end, somebody come and knock me over, tackle me. <laughs> I'm supposed to think soberly <laughs> about ourselves. That wasn't in my notes. Um, another, another translation says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself. We need to take an honest evaluation of ourselves. If we are to be good at, if we're good at something, we don't have to pretend like we're not. That, that doesn't make you humble. Sometimes we can, uh, we can in, in a, an attempt to try and be humble, we can actually um, bury our gifts and not use them. And as we see in the upcoming verses, or as we will see, that's the opposite of God wants for us. But, but uh, it's, okay, it's okay for us to be good at something. But we need to remember that it's by God's grace that we have that ability and to recognize that it was not given to make you look good. It was given so that the whole team looks good. Really, so that God looks good. The team, the church, is the body of Christ. So we're representing the body of Christ. So when the church looks good, we're, we're displaying the goodness of God, the goodness of Christ. Um, gifts have been given for the benefit of the other believers and for the health of the church as a whole. Uh, as we continue in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're individually members of one another. This is not a new concept for most of us, this idea of being the body of Christ. It is an analogy that Paul commonly uses in his other letters to explain the kind of relationship that God desires for us to have with each other and also with Christ. 
First um, Corinthians 12, he uses this example again, and he talks about humility in relationship to the body of Christ. If we look at verses 14 through 21, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If, if the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. It seems maybe like a little bit of a strange analogy um, because of course we recognize that all of our parts, all the parts of our body are important. Uh, we understand this because we are bodied people. We have a body. We've experienced how we use all of these different parts of us to move us around and, and care for ourselves and, and do what we need to do. Uh, we, we recognize that they all have value. Um, but to expand on this analogy a little bit, I was thinking about the heart. Um, unless uh, your, your heart is useless at picking up tools, it's useless at uh, carrying the body from point A to point B. It can't see, it can't taste, it can't smell, it can't hear. But we all know that the arms and the legs and the eyes and the ears and the nose and the tongue would be useless without our heart, right? In the church body, there are some who, just like the heart is unseen, uh, have been given gifts that are unseen. So you consider somebody who's given the gift of of uh, interceding, praying for other people. Those who pray continually for the other members of the body, uh, we may not see them functioning, but we all benefit from the strength and comfort that we receive because they are praying. We may not even realize that they're doing that for us, but, but we're receiving strength. And then in return, those who are praying receive strength from those who've been strengthened, who then are able to lead and teach and serve and give and encourage other people because somebody is praying for them and encouraging them. The one with the gift of intercession may not be seen like those who lead worship and teach or even serve in hospitality, but when our focus is on building up the whole body, uh, we're not focused on being seen. We're not focused on uh, who has the greatest gift, but we're just focused on what a privilege it is to have something that we can offer in worship to God. Remember, we're, we're offering our bodies as a sacrifice, uh, in a, as, as a worship to God. Uh, we may be struggling with this analogy, trying to figure out whether or not we're a thumb or we're an arm or a leg, uh, but one thing that is perfectly clear is that Christ is the head. When we look at Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 16, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. Christ is the head, and he makes the body fit together. I like that. He makes the body fit together. So if we're struggling with uh, what place we're supposed to have in the body, if you're not sure what your, your gift is or, or where, you, where you connect, which maybe there's another part of the body you need to kind of tie in with so that you can complete the function, complete the task, uh, pray and ask God to tell you, because he's the one who fits you in the body. He's the one who directs you and shows you where your place is. Where do I fit in the body? How, how does God want to use me? How can I use my skills uh, to build up his body to be healthy and growing and full of love? And maybe you feel like you need some help. Maybe you need to pray and ask that God would bring somebody to you to, to help strengthen you, to help, you know, a hand doesn't do much good with an arm to attach it. Like, we, we need each other to kind of become one whole body. So pray that, that God would create those other parts or bring together those parts so that you can feel more connected to the body. When we let him, Christ will fit us together perfectly. And when we do what we're called, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, uh, you know, if the, if the hand's attached to an arm, but the arm isn't doing what God gifted it to do, the hand can't get to where it's supposed to do what it's supposed to do. So we all have to use the gifts we've been given to function well. Uh, in the New Living Translation, uh, verse 5 ends with, uh, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It says that we all belong to each other. So over the course of the last year, I had the privilege of being uh, part of two weddings and a baptism. And in each one of those, people were joined together with someone else. Uh, in marriage, the, the husband and wife are joined together as one. In baptism, the person is joined with Christ. They raised to new life in Christ, joined to Christ. Uh, and also in baptism and just in salvation as whole, we are joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're joined to each other. Now, uh, thinking about marriage, sometimes people will talk about marriage and they'll, they'll talk about marital bliss. Have you heard people use marital bliss? Now, bliss is, is uh, complete happiness, right? So it's kind of usually used a little bit tongue-in-cheek because anybody who's been married knows that it's not always bliss. It's not, sometimes there's some not bliss. Um, there's, there's times where our differences uh, can present opportunities for disagreement, right? We, we have opportunities for disagreement because we're, we have different ways of looking at things. We see life differently a little bit. Um, and so when we, when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we can become angry with the other person. But eventually... One of us, at least one of us, hopefully eventually both, but it usually starts with one. Somebody has to humble themselves and apologize so that there can be peace in that unity, so there can be peace in that, um, that marriage. It's the same with our relationship with each other. Really, no matter what relationship you have, um, you have to have that same sort of thing. But, but we as a, the body of Christ, it becomes more important because we are God's hands and feet. We're the, we're the hands and feet of Christ to the world. And so we have to 
be joined together. We have to be functioning well so that we can display to the world the good news of Jesus Christ. And so um, we have to figure out how to, you know, well, I'll get into that a little bit. How do we have peace in our relationships? Ephesians uh, 4, verses 2 through 4 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. So what does it mean for, ourselves, for us to be uh, united in spirit? United in spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us and speaks to our hearts. He is the conduit through which Jesus reminds us of what his will is. He reminds us of the truths of his word. And it's the truths of his word, right? We, but, you know, it's the truth that sets us free, right? It's, it's the truth of God's word that renews our minds so that we're not following the prideful patterns of the world. So we need to be united in the spirit, all on the same page. That's where the, that's where, you know, what directs our will. We want our will, we want to unite with God's will. Um, we want our actions to unite with what he wants our actions to be. We want our, the tr- what we call our truths to be his truth. When we are born again, we're all born of the same spirit. And if we are all following the will of that same spirit, there is peace. And when there's not peace, there is strife. That means that at least one of the parties is not following the spirit. At least one of the parties, because if we're both following the spirit, there shouldn't be any strife. There should be peace because you're all on the same page. But it's bound to happen. We're human. We're, we're not going to be perfect. There's, we're going to have moments where we're going to have a little bit of strife. Um, that's why we're encouraged to make allowances for each other's faults. Because there's going to there's gonna be faults. So we have to, have to be ready to make allowances for them. We have to have a little bit of cushion, a little bit of grace there. He also says um, that we need to make every effort to keep united in spirit. If we are always... You know, if it was a done deal, we're saved and we're always walking united in the Spirit, he wouldn't have to say that it was going to take any effort. But we have to make every effort to keep ourselves united in Spirit. That's the worship team to come. So we're united in Spirit as one body, and each of us has its own giftings. Uh, If we look at this, the last couple verses we're going to read from Romans 12 today, uh, verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Do I have those? There we go. Um, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Notice that just as uh, in verse 3 where he talked about his, he talked about the grace that he has to be able to give this exhortation. Um, 
He again refers to God's grace when he talks about the gifts given to us. So by God's grace, he was given gifts to use. And by God's grace, we've been given gifts to use. Um, God is giving us something of value to offer. Today, we are not, we're not going to have time to look at each of these different gifts and talk about um, the, the details of how they all function. Like I said earlier, it's not an exhaustive list either. The main point is, is that he's given them to us and we are supposed to use them. He said, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it. Let us use it. It's pretty clear. Um, use it in ministry. He who teaches in teaching, exhorting, um, exhort, uh, he who gives liberally, or he who gives with liberality. That means don't stifle your giving. Don't give. Actually, I think, oh, no, that was a different one. Um, it was with mercy. Uh, he who leads, it says lead with diligence. So what does that mean? means take it seriously, uh, make it a priority in your life. Uh, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Cheerfulness, that's, that's the word I was thinking of. We, we think about um, that same word is used uh, when it talks about giving, where it talks about you know giving with a cheerful heart, giving hilariously. The, the, the Greek word is comes from the word, uh, it's like the root of the word hilarious. So uh, show mercy with cheerfulness. Or hilarious maybe doesn't seem like the right exact right definition for this spot, but it's with a willing spirit. If you, you know, um, show mercy with a willing spirit. Be, look for opportunities to show mercy. Whatever the gift, do it. Do it wholeheartedly, giving your bodies as a living sacrifice in worship to God. Do it. The old Nike saying, right? Just do it. First uh, Corinthians 12 verse 4 through 7 says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of all of them there are different kinds of service but we serve the same lord god works in different ways but is the same god who does the work in all of us see it's god who does the work in all of us a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other so we can help each other so to wrap it up, first we have our motivation, right? It's God's mercies given to us, freely given to us who, who did not earn them. Second, we're called to respond in worship by offering our bodies, offering everything that he's given us to Christ as a, as a sacrifice. It's not easy. It's a sacrifice. We have to deny our will. We have to, we have to, we have to give back to him what's given to us. Um, he's given us the, the will to the ability to choose. We, we need to keep our, our minds focused on that motivation so that we choose to worship him, lay down our lives. Third, everything we offer, every gift that we have is a gift from God. So we can't be proud because we're just giving him what he paid for, what he, he gave it to us. Fourth is that the gifts that we offer are for a benefit of the church first and then for the world. But they're, they're for the benefit of others. But really, first off, we need to offer them to the church, to each other. To not By church, I don't mean you have to do it on Sunday morning. That doesn't mean that you have to do it on Sunday morning. It means that, that throughout your, your week, it's not just a, a two-hour opportunity to, to give something. And if you miss that two hours, you have to wait till next week. You know, 
you know, is there somebody that you can call and that you can lift up? Is there somebody in need that you can go and help? Is there, is there some way that you can lift up the body of Christ? Can you pray for the church? We all can pray. You know, some people have the gift of praying, a gift of intercession, but you know, I don't know if you've ever taken an aptitude test. Even if you rank low on something, you still can do it. You still, you know, you may not be the best at it, but you know, people, you know, Gordy joked about knowing the right end of the hammer. Now, not everybody is good at pounding in a nail, but if you give an adult a hammer, like they can get it in. They might hit their thumb a couple times. You know, they may be put a couple dents in the wood, um, but they'll get that nail in. So even if it's not your gift, you know, you can pray. You can lift up the church, lift up people that you know are in need. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There's actually a, there's a benefit in giving. There's a blessing to giving. And he talks more about that before in the earlier verses, but uh, that's not the main point that I want to get to today. Uh, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will... Um, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the spirit, the spirit of the spirit reap everlasting life. And this is the part that I want us to really focus in on here. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to those who are the household of faith. Now, why is that? Why does it say that it's supposed to be to the church first, or especially, primarily, first we should be thinking about the church? Have you ever taken an airplane flight and the announcer, you know, comes up and part of their safety announcements are that uh, if the cabin would happen to lose pressure and the masks drop from the ceiling, before you help the person next to you, put the mask on yourself. Okay, right? Because if you're dizzy and passing out, you're not really going to be much help to the person next to you. Okay? So you have to be in good shape yourself first. Now, in this analogy, um, you know, like I said, we want to help the world. We want to, we want to show the world uh, God's grace, his love. We want to show that there's another way, that there's a pattern of the world that leads to death, and there's a pattern uh, of Christ. There's a transformed way in Jesus Christ to new life. And if we aren't displaying that, if we aren't showing that we have new life, then what are we, you know, what are we doing? You know, uh, it's not, it's not going to work. We're not going to be able to help anybody. If the church isn't thriving first, then we can't display it to the world. Um, if you imagine a, a couple going to get counseling and the people counseling them are separated. I mean, pretty ridiculous to try and get marital advice from somebody whose marriage is, is in turmoil. Um, first, they need to heal their marriage and then they'll be able to help other people. John 13, verse 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for, if you have love for one another. Okay, so how will they know that we are his disciples? How, do we, how will they know that we are the body of Christ? Is if we have love for one another. If, we, if, we're, if we're in disunity, if there's strife, 
in the church, if we're not showing this love for another, for one another, we're not even going to be seen as Christ's body. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll sticker the name church on us and they'll have a bad taste in their mouth, but they're really not going to see us as the body of Christ because we're not, we're not displaying the body of Christ. We, we need to display what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Um, our love for each other demonstrates to the world that we are a healthy church and that we, as a church, are ready and able to help them, to use our gifts to teach them and lead them. I want us to take this opportunity to think about what it is that God has given to us. What gifts has he given to us? And not just, on the one hand, you know, I pray that God will will guide us and direct us over the next weeks to know what it is that God has done in us or placed in us that we can then use it. It's really hard to use a tool if you don't know you have it. You know, I go to my garage, you know, I'm, if I can't, identify what it is that I'm looking for, I can't use it. Um, so we need to identify <clears throat> what it is that God has put in us, what gifts we have in us, and so we can use them. So as we as we worship, pray that God will reveal, if you don't know what tools God has placed in your toolbox, uh, pray that God will reveal them to you. Pray that he'll show you where and how to use them. Uh, maybe pray about how, who he wants you to use them with. Maybe, maybe he wants to team you up with somebody. Um, but uh, also, as you recognize what these gifts are, just give thanks to God that you have been given something that you can offer back. Because without that, I mean, what, what do we have to offer? If we, if we weren't given anything by God, I mean, we wouldn't really even have our bodies and our life to offer. Everything we have has been given from him. So just in gratitude, give him thanks for giving us something of value that we can offer to him and worship, something that is pleasing to him. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for the gifts that you've given to the body. Uh, we celebrate not just the gifts that you've given to, to each one of us, but as we think about the, the other members of the body that you've joined us with, Lord, we're grateful for those who can lift us up in encouragement, uh, those that make us feel uh, welcomed and loved when we come together as a, as a group. Lord, we thank you for those who help financially support the, the work of the ministry so that we can uh, uplift each other in, in worship and in teaching. Lord, we just thank you that, that you've put us together as a body, that we can function well. Lord, we thank you for uh, the resources you've given for us to to. Uh, aid those who are doing ministry across the globe, Lord. Lord. I pray that you would give us um, open eyes to see, ears to hear, whatever it is that you've called us to. Whatever, if we have a, a somebody in the church that, 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 that we need to encourage, let us do that, Lord. If there's somebody that we need to, to pair with to go out into the world and be a light into our neighborhoods and our community, uh, whether it's helping those who are in need of, of food and, or shelter, or whether it's those who, who need to just uh, hear the gospel, those who maybe just need a friend and to recognize that they're loved by somebody, Lord, we live in a, a world that's increasingly um, dealing with anxiety and depression, Lord, and uh, Lord, help us to be a church that's healthy and thriving so that we can offer a different way, a visible way that they'll see your love operating in us and through us and that they will be drawn out of 
the, the lies of the world and into the truth of your word. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. One last verse for you before I dismiss. Hebrews 13, 14 through 16. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Amen. So in the light of God's mercies and grace displayed to those who didn't earn any of it, let us go and show God's love and grace to the rest of the world. Amen.